Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the next HR Tech Chat. Uh, I have with us today, Teresa Harkins Schultz, who is Senior Vice President of Customer Experience at Inspirus. Am I, am I, did I pronounce the name of the company correctly? I did, you didn't did. I? Yes, okay, you did. Fantastic, okay. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? We had a an awesome discussion um, a couple of uh, years ago, just a couple, couple of months ago, just joking. But it was a while back. Um, but we covered a bunch of ground around what's – let me see if I can – and, and what I'm going to ask you to do is kind of keep me honest here, but but I think what we talked about was what's the what is the employee experience around technology? How are, what are some of the um, some of the uh, parallels between their experience at work with their HCM technology versus the technology they're just dealing with all the time? We talked about um, sort of that perennial subject matter of um, HR getting a seat at the table. Now what? these sorts of things, where, where would you like to start? <laughs> sure, it's some exciting stuff. It was a great conversation and thanks Brent for inviting me today. Um, you know, I think first just let's talk about experience because um, even within my title, right? Um, today I'm uh, the senior vice president of customer experience, but oftentimes people will say, well, are you customer success? Is it customer experience? How do those things relate? You know, and I think that businesses today, we're all looking to make sure that our customers are successful. We have customer success organizations that may service call centers. They may include account management. They may include technology implementations, but ultimately that is just one subset of the experience that we as business provide overall to the customers and the employees that we serve. Um, at Inspire Us, we are looking to help organizations uh, engage and motivate their employees, uh, utilizing different technology uh, tools and suites, as well as, you know, recognition practices. I've been in HR, um, kind of ended up there like many people was just, you know, oh, well, you want to do some recruiting? Okay, that sounds good. Let me give that a try. And from there, it kind of snowballed. Um, and, you know, I've I've um, enjoyed spending time in many of the different uh, towers within HR. But ultimately, you know, the lens that I like to look at things is really from a view of systematic thinking. And mm -hmm not just what do we want to do and are we checking the box to get it done but how does it make people feel what are we asking them to do in order to achieve that and all of those things experiences are really about the feeling the emotion the interactions that we can have technology plays a huge part in that and that was where you and i had a lot um, of our conversation last time yeah you hit on a bunch of stuff here made me think of a bunch of things. So first of all, um, so I'm just kind of lay them out here and then we'll, let's try to knock them down one by one. If we get to them all, that's great. If not, that's fine. One idea is around employee motivation. Employee motivation, I've been thinking a lot about that recently. And, um, and I'd like to hear a little bit more about your philosophy around that. And also the experience, the experience of the employee. Which, which, in my opinion, is very much uh, wrapped up with almost synonymous with the idea of employees' feelings, right? Yes. And how, yeah. It, I was talking uh, with a uh, 
actually let's 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 sit on that for a little bit. I was talking with a colleague of my former colleague of mine, stay in touch with, um, and I was talking with him about our concept of uh, concrete and abstract HCM, the idea that there's two hemispheres to HCM and both matter. You need both, and he threw a curveball and he said at me and he said, you know, HR is it's um it's all abstract. It's it's all about employee feelings. And of course, we were sort of drawing a, um, you know, for the sake of the conversation, we were calling abstract HCM and employee feelings essentially the same thing. And I think that works even objectively. Yeah. But I thought I thought that was really interesting. What What are your thoughts about that? Around employee experience is about the employee feelings, and HR may be all about employee feelings, like in, like one hundred percent. What do you think about that? Yeah, so I have I, I'm, I have mixed emotions about that, um, <laughs> and and I'll just share a quick quick story that kind of uh, frames up you know the the mixed emotions that I have. But when I uh, started off um, working for Delta Airlines several years ago, I helped design and deploy their recognition programs for their employees within that organization. And uh, Delta was one of uh, the early adopters at really taking a systematic approach to recognition and having it uh, woven into the framework and practices and training and onboarding and everything that was already happening within the organization. And I joined um, another organ a professional organization. And what I found was a lot of great people with a lot of good heart, but their approach to this was around I, I labeled them campfire girls because they were really looking at things from I'm planning a party. I am an HR and I am all about making employees feel good and planning a party. I am looking, you know, to be the campfire girl and, you know, gather everybody around to sing songs, get together and, and roast marshmallows. And on one hand, this is where the mixed part comes in. I love the fact that what those, um, you know, professionals were doing were was invoking emotion within their workplace. What I was challenged with and where I get challenged with HR getting just equivalated to the feeling aspect is that if you don't also make it purposeful, if you don't weave it into the practices of the organization, it's always an afterthought. It's a nice to have and not a must have in the organization. And so that's where I believe the experience is key and HR is delivering that, but you can't only focus on that abstract feeling side. Mm -hmm. You have to also focus on how am I going to achieve that outcome or those thoughts or those behaviors and what tools am I going to use to help uh, incentivize or motivate or to create those moments and experiences to happen in the organization. So I, I relate. It just took some time for me really to pull together, um, getting in touch with my softer side, so to speak, and understand, because I was very, you know, I, I was the nerdy technology one that just wanted to be behind the, the computer. And, you know, I don't need those feeling things. That's that's for other people. But it really, it all comes together. And they're very interrelated. Mm. That's interesting. And so there was, so that actually fits in with a couple of things that, um, that I, so there was one. There was one conversation I had with another person uh, recently, and I, I, as you were as you were talking, I was racking my brains, kind of going through the catalog, say who is it with, who is it with, because it, it it was a connection there. Um, 
a fellow who works in a in psychometrics uh, around um, uh, best fit for culture around you know what is your employer culture at your organization uh, figuring that out you know you what is your culture from a psychometric standpoint and then and then hiring for best fit for that and the example was you know a um, oh let's well let's use an example outside the HCM industry let's say you know let's say you're a um, you're an engineer at um, you're an engineer at uh, at uh, General Motors, right? And and there's a certain culture there, and maybe uh, let's say BMW is hiring uh, engineers. Um, maybe it's maybe you're an HVAC engineer, right? Mm -hmm. For uh, General Motors, they're hiring engineers at BMW. And just because you were a successful HVAC engineer at GM, uh, does and you might really know your stuff and all of that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to fit in fit in the culture at BMW for HVAC, right? And so so we're looking at the wrong things when we're recruiting. Uh, we're not necessarily looking at the right things. We're looking at the stuff that, you know, at first blush seems like the stuff we should be looking right. at, but we should be hiring for culture. But the other thing that we talked about that was super interesting, it was, it was sort of a tangent. It was a funny tangent during the conversation. It wasn't a tangent, but it was it was an aside. You know, employer culture is not pizza and beer on Friday. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's 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 not campfire girls. It's um, right. it's those are nice things to do, but you're not creating a cup. That's a completely just that's that's that is that is not culture. That's that's a it's a it comes from a good place, right? You know, a company yeah. that says, yeah, I want to put a foosball table and in the rec room for my for my employees that's certainly not a bad thing you're not being a bad employer by doing that but but you're you're misunderstanding culture yeah i think um i mean first of all hiring and hiring people for culture has such a great impact because ultimately if we don't as you know individuals feel like we are aligned or that sense of belonging and that sense of purpose within a team, no matter what our skill and competency set, we're always going to be pull, pushing against the grain. Um, I, you know, myself have experienced that in my career, just even, you know, over the longstanding debate of being a remote employee versus being one in the office, right? There, There's a lot of tension that can come into that. And if an organization is you know, has a, a culture value of FaceTime or presence in the office, it's very difficult uh, to kind of adopt into that remote uh, work practice and bringing that together. So I think culture is, you know, very important. And culture really, those are things that we do to celebrate our culture or to um, have stories or exhibit ways that we can visibly show you know, that we care about our employees or that we're concerned for our employees, but it's everything else that's happening all along that journey, right? Having a foosball table is great, mm. but if we don't either allow our employees the time to utilize it, or if we don't encourage that kind of five minute break because it refreshes, you know, the brain and gets people thinking and moving in different directions and we encourage those breaks, those are the aspects of our culture. Something sitting there doesn't make a difference, right? We have to help people understand what it is we expect them to do with it and why they can use it because otherwise it becomes a question mark in people's minds. And then people go to the 
the rigidity of, well, we need rules around that. We're going to need a sign-up sheet for when people can use the foosball table. And instead of letting people really self-regulate and use, you know, their best judgment in these situations and letting them know we have expectations for you to get your job done and you've been hired because you're competent, because you have demonstrated that you're a great HVAC engineer but you also have some freedom and flexibility in how you behave. We expect you to collaborate. We expect you to be honest and we want you to bring your best work. Help us know what that means to you in the workplace and how to exhibit that. And I think that's where a lot of HR organizations can kind of miss the mark because HR or the business itself, right? They just take it to to such an extreme of looking for uh, rigidity or rules or a perfect formula but sometimes you just gotta let go (laughs) (laughs) i think you really hit on the head with that last one a perfect formula i i i don't think one exists i i got a couple of questions around well first of all couple of observations around if we're going to let's let's stay focused on the foosball table because i think it's a great sure. you know, it's just a great visual for this whole concept here a company an organization an employer could put a foosball in the um, you know the meeting room and and again it's it's a good thought but it's not really understanding culture you know it's but but you said some things right so for instance yeah, if we're encouraging people to use the foosball table, then yeah, if we have a, you know, that's giving them the break that they need. There's all sorts of science around this. I can't cite anything off the top of my head, but there is around taking a break Absolutely. or going going for, I, I have a culture of, of one. <laughs> I work from home too. I have a culture <laughs> of one. I tried to go for a run a couple of days a week. I do a workout routine a couple of other days a week. It's just like some time. I listen to music and then I'm back at my computer and I'm, and I'm focused. But but if you're putting that foosball table without understanding that, then you didn't understand culture. But if you didn't understand that, then you know, then that then the foosball table is a culture tool, right? A, B. Right. What are what are the um, the components of the components of um, of employer culture? What are they? I, I don't know. Well, the first component is trust. Okay. The first, I I, I think trust is a fundamental. Um, aspect of culture in the workplace. Secondly, I think it goes around purpose and then an understanding of the job that you need me to do. And I think that piece alone, if I understand what it is you've asked me to do and I know what tools are available for me to get that job done, we've established a trust bond that starts the process, right? Because then it really drives into, I mean, some of this really goes back to good old friend Maslow, right? Hierarchy of needs and establishing that psychological safety in the workplace. Those are the first components of it. You know, the trust, knowing what it is that I'm supposed to be doing, understanding how I fit into the picture. Those are all aspects, you know, of the workplace. And secondly is how do we want people to behave? And then are we holding people, you know, accountable to those behavior standards and encouraging, you know, both the positive and, you know, providing feedback when necessary on negative or, you know, behaviors that need to be, um, uh, you know, eliminated or minimized in the workplace to accelerate others. I think people are really open to the feedback and they're open to, you know, um, growing in that culture piece. But I think those are some of the key aspects that kind of ring true um, when it comes to 
what is the base of culture, right? I mean, the base of culture is all about the trust and the relationship that you have with the employer. And then it goes to that next step, right? What about your manager? What about your peers? What about your job content? All of those pieces kind of blend together as you look to evolve a culture. And the behavior is absolutely paramount. How do people behave? You can't go out and say, we believe in collaboration and have a team or individuals that function on an island and toss things over the fence. Collaboration means, you know, we're going to generate ideas. We're going to use design thinking principles or, you know, whatever is important in that organization to bring those aspects together to help evolve that culture piece. Mm -hmm. How do you think? So, first of all, you're you're singing my song. I, I love Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> and it really does. I mean, it it does really apply. Uh, it's, in, it's a great way of thinking about HCM, you know, because what are the, you know, the physiological and uh, safety needs? You have, com, you know, compliance and payroll, time and attendance and scheduling. Yep. Those are the things you, you cannot. Face. Yeah. And then once you have those in place um, and working properly, so employees aren't afraid that they're not going to get paid this Friday because the payroll system messed up or something like that, right? Which, which um, I haven't, I don't know anybody that personally that that's happened to, but, but apparently it does, right? It does. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, then you can focus on this employer culture stuff, right? Yes. You have sort of that, you've created the birth for yourself for that. But one other thing that I just wanted to hit, hit on is I actually forgot about this. Um, while we were talking, it reminded me, I actually saw an article. So I was looking through my history in LinkedIn because uh, mm -hmm. I I actually shared it this weekend and I just remembered. It was a uh, story uh, how on, on um, from Harvard's, Harvard Business Review. It's okay. a how company culture shapes employee motivation. Um, you can go to my profile and see it in my post activity. But they said, what did they say? Um, they were they worked with a number of um, of uh, different companies to determine what are the um, okay the work the the motives around increasing performance at an organization. So this, and they said they found six, three or uh, okay. it was five or six. So the positive ones they found were play, purpose, and potential. Mm -hmm. and, and there were three uh, negative ones, which were emotional pressure, economic pressure, and inertia. And um, I won't uh, bore the audience by reading through each of these because I think it would take too long to read through them. But, I mean, we can get the basic gist here. You know, play, yeah. purpose, and uh, what was that other one? It was... Uh, potential. Yes, potential. Yeah, yes. I mean, this is interesting. I wanted to... I mean, we're talking about self-actualization and esteem. Yes, absolutely. Well, I was going to say the sense of belonging comes right into that um, yeah. as well, into the, the the purpose and the potential. It is all about the self-actualization and, you know, really. And I think as you look at uh, more and more people entering the workplace, they are more concerned about what they are doing and what impact it's either what it's going to have on something, right? They want to understand that full picture. And I think that, you know, the, the job content and for individuals to really find meaningful content, that's number, that's the, one of the number one ways to help them be motivated, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't like the job content 
that I'm working on, I'm probably not going to be very happy in my job. I mean, they always say the old adage is, you know, find a career you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I, I, I mean, it, it really, it rings true when you look at trying to find something, you know, that's per that, that you feel a sense of purpose. I mean, potential really is, it's kind of like re meaningful recognition. It boils back into the eye of the beholder right? You may see my potential as one thing, but I may feel my potential to be something else. And at the end of the day, sometimes we just need someone to believe in us and, you know, to help unlock doors and let us realize and find what our potential may be. You know, too many organizations have, you know, especially in the HR and, and I, the exercises are good, but, you know, hypo pools and identifying, you know, the small handful of people that, you know, are the next leaders of the company. It's kind of an outdated practice. I mean, all of us have potential. And, you know, when you look at bringing in gig workers and different people with different skill sets, you're looking at things on more of a uh, almost a project or an ad hoc basis in the workplace that you need to match purpose and potential with those skills and things that are happening in the business. And that really changes the way the HR is going to need to function because those experiences, and then they're going to need technology to help them be able to match that up so they can deliver a better package to the employees or they're not going to stick around. And, you know, I, we just sort of inadvertently segued into the next question that I was going to have for you is how can how can technology? That's right, nice. Um, how does technology help with this? So let, let me just give you my my thoughts sure. on this. Um, this is sort of a um, a this is a sort of a science almost science fiction future of work idea. I actually wrote about this a, a month or so ago. That a I think AI is going to play a huge role. Uh, in formulating these these um, these constantly um, um, uh, reforming teams, so I think these if you think about projects in the future and the teams for them. Let me back up. There, right now, we have static the organizational hierarchy or organizational structure. Um, it's nobody's fault. It's just that we have sort of this analog understanding of it, human analog understanding of what we need. And so we have position roles and we have titles and all these sorts of things. And we have teams that form and these teams work on all sorts of projects and they, right. they're sort of static. They're not they're not technically static because they do change over time. They have bring on new people. It's very slow. Right. But in the future, we'll have sort of AI understanding the competitive landscape outside the organization and bringing in gig workers. And I mean, there's all sorts of variables that need to change. You know, regulatory landscape needs to adapt to this and all sorts of things. But yeah. but potentially we could have organically forming teams informed by AI. And I would argue also psychometrics. Very important yeah. um, to 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 create these best best case scenario of culture fit teams for certain projects and then they would you know um they would um uh, convene and disband as necessary i mean at some point it, it gets it's kind of uh, hard to think about but 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 what what, is, what are your thoughts around how technology can maybe help this well your thoughts on that and yep. then also how can technology help today around employer culture yeah, so, you know, I think as we look towards the future, you know, I think one of the things that, um, you know, the pandemic has brought forward is that 
being flexible, having agility in our work practices is going to be absolutely paramount. I mean, in order to tackle business problems, right, we can't look at them through the same lens that we've done for several years. We need you know, new um, individuals with different thinking patterns. We need diverse teams. We need um, a variety of um, skill sets that may be a part of that team in order to solve problems. Because, you know, having it be a job function or one person's, uh, you know, type of assignment, it just, it, it really doesn't produce the results that having, you know, a diverse uh, group of team, a group of people. And I think just the pace at which businesses are going to need to spin up, spin down and re-spin, right? Individuals into those teams, it, it's going to continue to grow because the challenges that people are facing and the resiliency that's needed out there, it is just, it, it's not going to stop. Um, and I think that there's a lot of opportunity in that space for HR to really be thinking about, you know, how are we going to support that? Many of us is, you know, that have grown up in HR are very used to, as you, you know, describe the traditional hierarchy and the traditional structures. So, you know, when we, we look at that, well, what does that mean? Right. Um, performance reviews, you know, um, hierarchical decision-making, those kinds of things those slow processes down, they don't necessarily deliver to us the immediacy that most people want today. So that's where I kind of jump towards or jump, you know, to the other side of your question is around, you know, technology and how can technology help with some of those pieces. And, you know, I really think that, um, Technology, whether it's uh, in, you know, the HCM space or in, you know, motivation and recognition, the more flexibility that it can provide uh, mm -hmm. to employ trust within its employees or its leaders within an organization to be able to, you know, in real time, recognize, motivate, reward their employees for behaviors that they're seeing they need that flexibility. I mean, it's it's latitude within limits, um, not just limits of what we can't do, but how can we do that? And that's really, you know, it goes everything from the employees, um, from the employee side, right? How do I have access to um, new content or learning content? Or how do I see, you know, wikis that are available within the organization so I can research and look, you know, at things myself? I mean, technology really can, instead of being a limiting factor, it really can be an enabling factor for people to learn more, to look for their passions, to look for, you know, other potential opportunities or other ways that they may need to be looking and thinking about that. And I think that's where, you know, HR and looking at how organizational structures will evolve um, over the next couple of years to be inclusive, no matter where people are, no matter what they're doing, how do we bring them together so that we all are part of the same table when there's not really a table, right? We're on a screen, we're sharing, we're, you know, brainstorming ideas. How do you use, you know, different tools, whether it be Miro or Mural or, you know, one of these other, um, you know, applications that are um, ideation tools. There's lots of ways to do it. And I think organizations just have to keep trying, fail fast and continue um, to find opportunities to bring those into the workplace. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And and to to distill what you just said into a few, uh, I don't know, categories or so. One thing is, you know, technology is definitely 
uh, to enable it in its enablement. Yes. So, you know, we have, so we, so we're evolving in terms of our understanding of what is important to the business process. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're constantly learning what's important. You know, we're, our, our understanding of what is important to the business uh, process is constantly expanding, I think, in, and refining. Okay. Yes. And so you talked about ideation. Well, there's a, technology can enable ideation, right? Can or can facilitate ideation between, you know, folks who are remotely located e even before the pandemic, right? Yes. <laughs> and then you have and then there's efficiency. There's mm -hmm. a there's an efficiency to ideation that the technology um brings about right so this is something that that came up in a in a uh, user case that we looked at uh or talked about a couple months ago around employee employee recognition right mm -hmm. so you look at this is i'm going to try to string together a bunch of things here so you look at the physiological and the safety, the lower levels of the hierarchy of needs of Maslow's, right? And that, and what are those? And those typically uh, align with the things that accounting most often can actually translate into something that, that into a number that okay. fits into the general ledger, right? Okay. Um, when you think about employee recognition, though, there is a, there's an efficiency or a lack thereof to employer employee recognition. So you could have an organization whose culture values employee recognition, but they may have a very inefficient uh, process for it, right? And so that is measured as an expenditure of labor. The, and that does make its way into the into the uh, the general ledger. And so you could bring a technology in to mm -hmm. to 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 uh, get rid of some of these, of most of these inefficiencies in the employee recognition process. And that's measured as, as a gain in productivity, right? So I think Absolutely. that that's, yeah, exactly. And so, so that, so this, this is not where I expected this to go, but I think it's interesting. Okay. That's where accounting ends. Oh yes. Yeah, a gain in productivity. Well, what is the gain in productivity? Like what did we gain? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, aside from the the time saved, right? What, right. What is the other side of the uh, of the coin there? Because that that definitely is important to business, even though it didn't get recorded in the and will never will get recorded in general ledger uh, until some time down the road when a new uh, product is invented or mm -hmm. brought to market that brings you know brings a lot of cash in for the company. So. Let's talk about that for a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. So, I mean, I think um, measuring the productivity gains, you know, is one aspect of, to your point, where uh, recognition or where, um, you know, the measurement may end. But I think it goes back to where we started in the beginning. How do you bring that to measure the experience and how people are feeling? Because when we are feeling positive about what we are doing, right? If I'm working out and I'm seeing results, if I'm, you know, able to do burpee, do do 10 burpees this, you know, this week versus, you know, one burpee a month ago, I feel better about myself. I feel better about what I'm doing. I'm seeing progress. And that emotional lift that we have has value in the workplace because I bring that attitude, I bring those thoughts, those behaviors 
to others. And so I think it really then, you know, that measurement starts to flip into, well, how do we measure some of the softer side? How do we measure, you know, whether it be ENPS and how employees feel about, you know, whether or not they promote their organization or their relationship with their peers or their managers or how do we help reward them and align them with their potential or their passions yeah. when they demonstrate those good things? I mean, that's where it has to continue. And it may not be a measurement that, you know, an accounting function or someone um, that's a data analyst, you know, may perform. It really gets to the manager relationship because yeah. managers that are successful or leaders that are successful in the organization have a pulse on how they're people not only what they're doing mm. but how they're feeling about what they're doing and that feeling piece is where the experience comes in and how we can help to evolve and and move those measurements uh, in a new direction that maybe isn't always that hard cost, right? The hard ROI that's on the books, it's really those soft costs that are there. I think you really hit it on the head there though with measurements, right? And one of the things that um, that that we talk about is the idea that, yeah, all of HCM is, is abstract, even payroll. There's a huge amount of feeling behind getting paid, <laughs> right? Yes. Even though it's, it's also a number, it's also, it's also happens to be very quantifiable in terms of an actual dollar number, right? But it's this idea that every single aspect of HCM has a potential concrete uh, expression, a, a potential measurement associated with it. Some of those are financial, re, financially related numbers, right. and, and some of them aren't, but, but we're still measuring. You know, so we we're translating everything to a number so that so that we can talk about it and uh, gauge gauge, um, you know, um, success or gauge, um, you know, our our uh, progress. Progress is what I was looking for. Yeah. Oh, this is this is super interesting stuff. Super interesting stuff. Um, you know, customer experience. That's something we haven't we haven't touched on as much uh, today, but 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 I am curious that you were talking about a little bit toward the beginning, but what's sure. what's, what's your philosophy around that? I know you know success, customer success, customer service. Obviously, <laughs> those are all sort of subsets of customer experience. Is there are there any um, parallels here between customer experience and, and employee experience? Absolutely, I think that. Um... You know, there's many cultures out there uh, that do get it right and they bring forward, you know, kind of the mantra, your employees will never treat your customers better than you treat them. And it really, you know, companies have to have that trust, have to have that agreement of what they're going to do, fair pay uh, for the work that they're performing before they can even enter into how they're going to surprise, how they're going to delight, how they're going to deliver good customer service. I mean, we model what we see and we spend so much of our working days at work listening to, you know, uh, briefs or PowerPoint presentations on this project or this strategy or this new initiative. I'm going to model things that I see from leaders in the organization to customers, all the way from how do I solve problems 
Am I empowered to solve them or do I have to get three approvals before I can actually solve your problem? So I do think there is ultimately a relation, a direct relationship between the employee experience and the customer experience. I mean, everybody is driving to help make customers successful. That's why we're in business. Um, you know, the function of customer success happens within organizations, but ultimately it's about those experiences that go from you know, how we as an employer in the employee relationship treat our employees, how do we recognize them, how do we motivate them, how do we, um, you know, give them a, a span of control over their work and their day, that bleeds directly into that interaction that they have with the customer. And the last thing I'll say on that one is it also is apparent, I don't know about you, how many times I call in somewhere and they say, oh, well, hold on, I have to check another system for that. Oh, oh you want that information? That's not part. here. And this is where the technology part comes back into play. If we can't provide our employees the right tools to do the job that's going to give the customer the right experience, we yeah. haven't set them up for success to begin with. Yeah, that's a huge, huge point. You're so right. You're so right. You know, customers and I, I think everyone is the is the organization's customer in a way. Even the employees, right? Absolutely. I mean, yes. They're not they're not buying your product, but they're you know you should treat them as customers. And and you're absolutely right. We're getting to that chicken the egg, chicken and the egg question around you know which comes first is it the vision or the technology and i don't i think that's the wrong question i think it's all together it's all together at the same time you're absolutely right if you you could have a the, a great customer experience vision for your organization if you don't have the technology to make it happen then you're not going to be able to provide that experience although at least you know at least at least now it matters yes. to you that you don't have the right technology in place right Yes. Yeah. And I think that's where companies have to start, right, is to look at what is the function. And I think this is where HR can really help the business and be a great business partner, but to help the organization understand at its core, what is it that I need the employee to do and what are the best tool sets that I can use to support them, right? And then you look at going back to your hiring equation, what are the skills and the competences, competencies that they need? But ultimately, it could be um, those softer, softer side of the cultural aspects, you know, what do I need for attitude? Um, you know, I uh, have worked for some organizations that have not had great technology or very disparate, have a lot of things going on. I used to have uh, one of my guiding principles when hiring individuals was I would ask them what their learning style was. And they always kind of, you know, were a little perplexed by the question, but ultimately, I wanted to find out, were they an individual who was expecting an organization that could hand, hand them a manual? And from A to Z, everything you ever need to do is going to be written in this book, and all you're going to do is follow the instructions? Or are you willing to go out and look for that information and help write the book? Because those are two different types of personalities that exist out there in the workplace. So when you bring, you know, those aspects together, I think that's where ultimately there's an opportunity uh, for HR to help with that technology piece. And even just looking at the tools that we give for HR, whether it be for benefits, uh, whether it be for rewards and recognition or compensation or 401ks, right? How do they 
how do we make that a better experience so that I'm not going to five or six or seven different systems to try to find things out? How do we, you know, get breast to breed and better technology within the HCM space so that employees are not frustrated with the experience? That is probably one of the biggest things that I hear from, from um, buyers as well as employees is I just don't want another system. And what do they want? You go back to it. They want to be able to play and they want purpose. So if I am going to be able to bring those two things in, I need a technology that is integrated into the work that I do every day and not something standalone out to the side. So it's been yeah. great talking. Great, great yeah, conversation. It's been wonderful today, right? talking. I just looked at the time. Yeah, we, we, we could probably keep going. But uh, great stuff, Teresa. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, you got me thinking. Um, and uh, hey, join us again uh, in the future. I'd love to have another one of these with you. Yes, sounds great. Well, you have a wonderful day, Brent. Thanks for your time. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.